Hello, friends. Welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Nita Wilkinson. We all know that life is just plain hard sometimes. Join me each week as I talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to Jesus. Welcome back to the In the Whisper podcast, and I am so excited today to have Ginny Brandt with me. She has written the book, Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent Cancer and Survive Cancer. Ginny is a cancer survivor, and she has a lot of great advice in this book, and I really resonated with it because so much of what she talks about is what I believe in anyway. So Ginny, welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. Tell us a little bit about your cancer journey. Well, to be perfectly honest, Nita, it came out of the blue. Believe it or not, I had just been through a breast cancer journey with my mother. Right. took her to heaven. And so it was just four months after that. I was still grieving her loss. Right. When my husband and I, and we do this every year, we participate in what we call in South Carolina the Cooper River Bridge Run. It's a 10-kilometer run that we used to run more of and now we walk most of it and so we were walking the cooper river got caught in my nighty and as i was trying to free it i felt the lump in my right breast and i was like i just went through this with my mom it's a lump it's definitely a lump it's never been there before and i immediately went to the doctor but i wasn't really too concerned because i had had fluid filled cysts before Uh were false alarms right so i went to my doctor and the first shock came when they said um it is cancer and i was like really and they said yeah and they said more tests will come back next week and the next week i get the call while i'm at school Uh that it's uh not just cancer it's aggressive cancer and i'm like oh my goodness that's not good news at all so i went in for the mri which is claustrophobic to me and the surgeon called me in the next week to give me the results of that mri and i was totally unprepared for what he said didn't even have my husband with me because we didn't think we were going to get any more bad news this just just to plan the surgery right so my husband drops me off he has to teach downtown greenville i'm alone and that surgeon says it's worse than we thought it appears from the mri to be in your lymph nodes and in <sighs> other parts of your body that is aggressive and I him and i said you know I don't believe you perfectly fine show me that mri so he took me back in his office and he flashed my mri up on a bigger than life screen and it looked like a tornado had invaded my body and i was looking on that screen for my social security number the time of the biopsy anything that could make sure that it was me right and not someone else and everything checked out that it was me. So I walked out of his office and I went down to the waiting room for my husband to pick me up and I was pacing back and forth, just nervous energy, just in shock. And when I got in the car, I told my husband, I said, it's worse than we thought. And he immediately wanted to get a second opinion. And so we went to cancer treatment centers of the mayor of America Mm -hmm. in Chicago because several doctors had recommended it to me, doctors that I trusted as one of the best breast cancer centers. And so it was probably one of the best things we could have done. And I do recommend to people that they get 
a second opinion. But when I got to Chicago, they had two surgeons and two radiologists look at that gosh awful MRI. And they said, don't jump off the bridge just yet. We're not sure what we're seeing here. And that gave wow. me the first bit of hope. And yeah. Within a few days, they met with me and they said, we don't know that it's, it's in your lymph nodes. We don't know that it's all over your body. What we see on this MRI is inflammation caused from a biopsy that could have oh. killed you. It was inflammation. And so that's what they thought. And it turned out they were right. And it was not all over my body, but because it was an aggressive cancer that had planted other tumors, right. every weapon of mass destruction would need to be brought out to save my life. But one of the things that just floored me, because I was kind of in shock off and on during this time, what floored me was that I was a health nut and the doctors went over the eight risk factors for the breast cancer that right. I got. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have one of them. Right. And so they were kind of puzzled. And so they ordered extensive genetic testing. Mm-hmm. And when that came back, it showed that I didn't have anything there either, even though my mother had died of breast Really? Cancer. So, Nita, I had nothing to hang my hat on and say, this caused my cancer. Many doctors today, when you're diagnosed, they can say to a breast cancer patient, oh, you were taking hormones past menopause. You were taking the birth control pill for five to 10 years. You were doing this. You were doing that. Let's don't do that anymore because that helped cause your cancer. They looked at me and they said, we don't see anything. So that's what caused me to go into a deeper dive to figure out, number one, what caused my cancer. Right. And number two, what I could do to help my doctors to beat it and lessen the side effects and what I could do to prevent it from coming back because I did not want it coming back. Right. Beat it. Right. Wow. And I I love where you say, you know, you live, you live that you've never taken a drink and you live that Baptist lifestyle and that you joke with your cancer surviving friends <laughs> that are Baptist. Maybe we should maybe we should have lived it up a little bit more <laughs> and done some smoking and some heavy eating and <laughs> walking on the wild side. Since and we, we had to we decided we should have been walking on the wild side. These were all my friends that were trustees with me on the International Commission Board of right. the Baptist Convention and we all got cancer and we're like, wait a minute, we should have been wild. Maybe we would have done better. It's just a it was a sense of humor type thing. But yes, I felt like my lifestyle invent this, but I was to learn more about what is a healthy lifestyle and I was not the health nut. I thought I was. Oh, I was doing better than the average American. Guess what, Nita? That's not good enough. Right. So your mom had just died of breast cancer. How long was her battle? She was diagnosed in January, and she died in November of that year. She oh, was wow. diagnosed stage four, and she was 82 years old. Now, okay. fighting breast cancer at 82 right. is very difficult. To be perfectly honest, she did the surgery, but she refused the chemo, and her doctor said, I wouldn't recommend it. But taking the estrogen-blocking pill was uh, really backed up the rest of her cancer for for a good five or six months. Okay. Okay. Just taking that that pill extended her life. Wow. So it can be very, very powerful. But in the end, when it came back in um, in her liver and on her hip bone, they used radiation, and she did not make it through that. It's hard to fight at 82. 
years old. Right, right. Nita, it was her ticket to heaven, and she was ready to go, and we celebrated with her. But it was too hard for me to lose that last. She was the fourth parent. And when we lost that last parent, it kind of was a deeper yeah yeah because there were there were none of them left right loved our parents yeah you know even even you know my mom died um she was just 71 when she died and she died in her sleep which was such a blessing for her we're never ready to lose our mama so it just it doesn't matter (laughs) not and when someone loses their mom or dad in their sleep after my dad died after 10 years of dementia and alzheimer's yeah mom from cancer and my in-laws from other chronic diseases and I say praise God that's a better way to lose them they said but I didn't get to say goodbye well that's that is true you never yeah. want to lose a parent but I would take the dying in their sleep with the, their favorite nightie on with a smile on their face over what I went through with my mom with breast cancer and my dad with Alzheimer's any day I, I think that's the way to go and that's the way yeah. I pray God will take me one day you know? I I absolutely agree. And my mom, we had been with her the day uh, before she, well, even the day she died. Uh, She had spent the night at our house and we went on vacation and she went home and she fell asleep in her chair watching her favorite show, Blue Blood. She was a Tom Selleck fan, clear back to Magnum, you know. She, She had taken her bra off and laid it on the side of the table and mom was not a big drinker, but she did like to have a glass of wine occasionally before she went to bed and there was a glass of wine by the the chair and she just fell asleep watching Tom Selleck woke up in the arms of Jesus. I don't think it gets any better than that. (laughs) And she did have chronic, (laughs) yeah, she did have chronic illness that would have taken her down a different road. So I am not at all sad about that. You still miss them even through all this. It, It makes it easy easier but not so this journey is what caused you to you 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 did a deep dive into cancer and living well and so then you decided you wanted to write a book so tell us about how you got to that piece of your journey well to be perfectly honest when I was first diagnosed I didn't want to tell anyone much less my family after we just lost my mother right I didn't want to tell friends I didn't want to write about cancer I didn't want to speak about cancer And I made an appointment with the chaplain at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Chicago. And I said, I don't understand how a health nut like me got cancer. And he said, Jenny, we don't understand either. Your doctors don't understand it. But know this, that your healthy habits will help you to get through the journey. Mm -hmm. And then he said something almost prophetic. He said, you're an author and a speaker. Think of the people you can help get through the cancer journey. He said, you could write a book about cancer to help other people and I looked at him I said you don't understand chaplain I do not want to talk write or speak about cancer I don't want this gift he kept saying consider it a gift for you to help other people I said I don't want the gift you know so I was not a willing participant at first I did not want people to know me as the cancer queen yeah and here I am speaking and writing all over the place to try to help other people But he even said this, he said, I can see it, your next book. And the first words are, this is the book I never wanted to write. And guess what is on the first page? (laughs) But, uh, you know, I was not a willing participant. But Nita, as I learned and uncovered things that I did not know that helped to cause all cancer and diseases, I sat there and I said, oh my goodness, the average person 
is like me. They don't know these things and mm-hmm. they need to know these things. Right. And being having to be in that chair where they bring the chemo up to you, all the bags, and the nurse has on a hazmat suit from head to toe. <sighs> put these poisons in your body. And I'm sitting there going, if I can prevent someone from going through that, mm-hmm. I need to get this information out there. It's not that you can't get through the chemo. I learned how to get through the chemo allow the chemo to work and to prevent it from just totally destroying my body and my immune system. That's right. a real art of getting through cancer. But I thought if I can prevent people from going through this and help them through the journey, yeah. that would be a good thing. And so it motivated, I didn't want anyone to have to be in that chair. And that was my motivation for everything that I've done with the writing and speaking and traveling and everything that my husband have done it's to prevent other people from having to go down this road and helping them get through it with flying colors if they do have to go through this journey right one of the things that you and i talked about before we we went on air was about our bodies being a temple and treating them the way we need to treat them to fulfill our purpose the things that you talk about in your book do that whether you have cancer or not, correct? Whether you have cancer or not, and the same eight things would help you prevent dementia and Alzheimer's and heart disease and autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting thing. I did a lot of interviews. I've done CBN, I've done CTN, I've done a lot of interviews where they asked me point blank, what did you learn in the cancer journey that can help us get through this pandemic? Well, a lot. Uh When I had, um, first of all, my husband and I didn't get COVID for a year, and we were out and about with masks, socially distancing, but we were out and about Mm -hmm. could be exposed because of things that we do in ministry. And so it took us a year to get it, and when we got it, we didn't know we had it because our symptoms were, you know, a little headache, you know, a cough that we might have to take a cough drop for at night, and exhaustion and loss of appetite. Those were basically the symptoms that we had. What I've learned about COVID is you can lessen your exposure with the CDC recommendation. Sure, the mask and getting a shot and all these different things, you you can help. But if you beef up your immune system and allow it to work as God intended, you're not going to get these severe symptoms of COVID-19 by and large. And so the best way to face a pandemic is with a strong immune system. Again, don't ignore what the CDC says. I mean, there were times when we needed to really bunker down and we needed to be cautious and socially distanced. But the point is, you've really, the best thing you can have is a strong immune system working on all cylinders, the way God designed it to work. Right. Give us a couple nuggets from your book that will uh, help people today just get an idea of some of the of a couple of the things that they can do we don't want to give the whole book away but um a couple things that they can do that will help them okay i think probably one of the things that helped me the most although all of the eight steps helped me but the one that helped me the most was probably exercise Mm -hmm. from the first moments i was diagnosed i came home from work my husband threw his arms around me, prayed over me, and we went for a walk to relieve mm-hmm. the stress right. of this terrible diagnosis. So I walked to relieve stress, and I normally walked several times a week. That was not abnormal for me, but to me it was a big stress reliever. Then when it got to my first surgery, I remember coming out of the surgery room, 
coming back to my room and I had all these tubes attached to my body and I don't like that. Yeah. And so there was that catheter, but other tubes coming from my breast as well. And I said to the nurse, what do I got to do to shed these tubes? And Mm. he said, if you can walk four rounds of the hospital floor tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I'll remove the catheter. The other tubes will stay for two to three weeks. You'll have to go home with them. I knew that. And so I got up the next morning. I said, you're on. I walked four rounds of the hospital floor to get that catheter out. It felt so good to move, relieve Mm -hmm. so much stress. I said, how many to a mile? He said, I don't think you can do that, but 18? I said, okay. So I did 18 rounds, got to a mile, and all the nurses are cheering. And I said, oh, this feels so good. Now, I'm not just walking. I'm pulling a bag of poles and medical apparatus. Right. So I'm almost like pole dancing, if you know what I mean. And so... That nurse, when I said, I think I'm going to go for the second mile, he said, oh, all right, let me go call your surgeon. He calls my surgeon. She says, if she's got the energy and the balance, let her go. It's only going to come healing in her body. I made it to two miles that day. When my surgeon came around and my respiratory therapist, they were, you know, shouting hallelujah. (laughs) Best thing you could have done. You have respirated your body. It filled it with oxygen. You pumped the anesthesia out. You promoted healing. You jump-started your organs. You prevented blood clots. We're letting you go home, number one. And number two, we've never done this before, but all those tubes in your body to drain your breast after the surgery, we are pulling them today. Wow. Going home with them. Your body's already taken care of it. Wow. The exercise. Right. So that went so well. And of course, I was nervous about the chemotherapy. It's the last thing in life I ever wanted was to put that in my body. So I decided, well, nobody told me to. I think I'll just, to relieve stress, I'll walk two miles in the park before chemo. And then if I can, I'll walk two miles through the park back to my hotel room afterwards with my husband with me. So I did it. After eight hours of chemo, I was able to walk back Mm -hmm. to my room two miles and every day in between. I did that for the entire year of chemo. Wow. I was walking two to three miles a day, walking before and after chemo. I was always able to do it. And I don't recommend cancer patients do something that their body can't do. Right. can't do it. You wait until you can. But I was able to do it. And then when I finished chemotherapy... My doctors were amazed. They called me their rock star cancer patient because they said that my red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets within six weeks after chemo were already back within normal ranges. Mm -hmm. Well, they later told me this is the reason this is so amazing is that this usually takes two or more years. And Mm -hmm. some people, they don't come back in normal ranges for the rest of their life. And I was like, oh, so this was a big victory. Then a few years later, one of my doctors says to me, yeah, I think we figured out why you did so well during chemo. You know, oh, oh, they were mentioning several things. And they said, have you seen the new research on exercise in Australia? 30 cancer entities came together in a huge study to say that exercise is one of the best things a cancer patient can do, even during treatments, even during chemotherapy. And then a few years ago, MD Anderson came out with a study with mice showing that the mice who had moderate exercise routines did better targeting their cancer with the chemotherapy and cleaning out all the trash afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. So now they're recommending that cancer patients, you've heard this, working with the aging, 
everything's about movement. Right. Don't go home after chemo mm-hmm. and lie down in the chair all week. And I mentor cancer patients and I tell them, do what you can when you can, but if you can walk, if you can't walk, get on a stationary bike and pedal. Do something. You need movement in your body to help with the chemotherapy and to help get you through it. So exercise was powerful even when the estrogen blocking pill came in. Between the chemo and the estrogen blocking pill, both decrease most women's bone density. And so you have to take shots and treatments. I opted to do it through exercise. Mm -hmm. So I learned bone density exercises. I learned to get on a vibration machine. I learned all these different things and I was able to hold my bone density throughout the entire cancer journey and the five years of the estrogen blocking pill through, again, exercise. That's amazing because a lot of times that that chemotherapy does a lot of damage to the bones. And you had a leg up because you already were a walker. So something that we can all learn from now, hopefully it never hits, cancer never hits you or your family. But if you're prepared and you already are walking or exercising in some way, that will help for sure. Yes, it's a, you know, your body needs movement. Right. System every day. And it does, you know, Water is in my book. It's the first step of my book. And, you know, exercise comes right after that. And both enhance every cell and every system in your body. Right. And when you're fighting disease, you want adequate hydration and you want exercise daily and movement. And what's interesting is when you put the two together, it makes such a difference in your immune system and when you're undergoing chemo if you will increase hydration you'll lessen the side effects and also help to remove the trash Mm -hmm. when the chemo does its job and you have all these dead cancer cells and you know you want to move all that out and what's happening is people are recirculating these toxins because they're not moving they're not hydrating properly so it's a key hydration and exercise are a key to everything in life but also to getting through chemotherapy. Right. I never thought about the hydration piece, but it actually makes sense that that would be important because like you said, the water helps flush the toxins out of our system. So tell me a little bit about your diet. Are you super healthy in how you eat? Do you never eat sugar? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, I thought I was a health nut because I had researched when my dad had Alzheimer's and found that you know, more fruits and vegetables by the top doctors was recommended. So I was increasing my vegetables from the average American gets two to three fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables a day. I increased from two to three to about five, six. My husband went through the cancer journey. I got it up to about seven. And then when I went through the cancer journey, I mean, I took a deeper dive and really examined what foods help to prevent cancer in the first place okay a whole list of them uh-huh. and to be perfectly honest nita every plant in god's kingdom every plant whether it's a nut seed herb legume bean um herb spice fruit vegetable every plant has cancer fighting power mm-hmm. and it's because of the phytochemicals and the antioxidants i eat 10 to 13 fruits vegetables a day and I include the superfoods. I drink a smoothie every day that has six to seven superfoods. And one of the top two foods for preventing cancer are blueberries 
has proven in research and cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables was actually recommended by the American Cancer Society some 20 years ago. That's your broccoli, your Brussels sprouts, your, your kale, um, these kind of things. They contain sulforaphane, which is a major cancer fighter, and it's especially good for women with estrogen-fed cancers. It helps to metabolize those aggressive estrogens that help to cause these cancers. So now I'm getting one to two servings of cruciferous vegetables a day in my smoothie. I mm-hmm. change them out every every few days so that I'm not always getting the same one. And then I get a cup of blueberries. Mm-hmm. Every doctor who deals with, every neurologist who's preventing Alzheimer's and recommending that to patients, a cup of blueberries. Yep. And your heart, your heart doctor is going to recommend that too. So they actually, blueberries, cut off the blood supply to cancer tumors. Really? So I tell all of my patients that I'm mentoring, go ahead and figure out how you can get a cup of blueberries a day in your diet, along with what the doctor's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, this is to complement what the doctor's doing, not to, not to negate it, because when you've got cancer, you've got a serious situation that's got to be remedied. And those blueberries, I get them through my smoothie. My husband and I eat a smoothie a day, and one cup of blueberries for each one of us is in that smoothie. So by the time I'm getting six to seven superfoods a day, my diet has drastically changed. I mean, when I said vegetables, I was counting potatoes. I don't count potatoes. It, it is technically a vegetable, but it's a starch, and it's a high-carb starch. And so that's something I would eat limited. No, I do not eat a lot of sugar occasionally. It's a rarity for me, but sugar itself during the cancer journey, the first thing I tell my cancer patients is eliminate sugar and high carbs. The doctor who wrote the book with me, the commentary in the book, Dr. Elliot, is a major, he ran a cancer, breast cancer clinic for 50 years and did medical research up until he died uh, this, this past year. And so, uh, you know, it's just really, really important what you eat and what you do to complement what your doctors are doing. Because right. the cancer patient has their job right. and the doctors have their job. And you want to complement what your doctors are doing. And if you go into chemotherapy with a negative attitude, oh, I'm probably going to die from this and I don't... I don't want to do this. I had to make peace with the chemo. I didn't want it. I made peace with it. Right. And I went in there praising God and doing things that would uplift me spiritually during the chemotherapy, which was eight hours long, so that I wasn't just concentrating on all the crazy chemicals going into my body. Right. Your mindset is important. Having a positive Christian mindset is key to the body healing from cancer or any disease. And again, the eight steps in my book would help anyone to build their immune system to fight just about anything, including COVID-19. But, you know, you look at this pandemic, what we tended to do during the pandemic is become sedentary. Right. We needed to move. Potato chip sales are up. All the junk food sales (laughs) are up. We're eating more junk food. We're putting on weight. All these things increase your risk for COVID and for cancer. Right. And so, you know, we're doing the wrong things. During the pandemic, my husband and I, I can't think of a day, even the days when we had COVID, because we didn't know we had it, 
we were walking two to three miles a day, mm -hmm. even swimming in the ocean a mile. In addition to that, while we had COVID, you know, because we didn't have a bed case and we didn't know that we that we had it. We just, you know, didn't quite feel up to snuff. Right. But the point is, the best thing you can do if your body is able during a pandemic is to move, even if you have to do it on a stationary bike inside your home. Right. You have to keep away from people because you're high risk. You know, especially if you're older and you're high risk or you have comorbidities or already have, you know, you're, a lot of my patients, cancer patients are being treated for cancer right. while COVID is out there, you know? Right. So, yes, diet is, is key and eating more fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, herb, every plant in God's kingdom contains phytochemicals and antioxidants and those are two things that are needed to fight all disease build your immune system but especially cancer right well, this has all been very interesting and given us so much to think about. And again, the name of the book is Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and Survive Cancer. I recommend you go out and get it. You can get that at all the usual places, right? Yes, and I also have a cancer prevention and wellness blog I just posted yesterday right. on eight things, eight, eight reasons your doctor tells you to drink more water. I keep giving finding new information and putting it out there and they can sign up for that subscribe to that blog right it's not just about cancer it's all about your immune system and wellness but i do have a lot of things specifically to help cancer patients right right and all of that will be in the show notes so you will be able to find her very easily through through the show notes of this podcast before we go, I always ask my guests two questions. Um, and the first one is, what are you reading right now? Well, I know a lot of people are using this pandemic to escape into mysteries and fantasies and fiction books, but I am a nonfiction geek. Guru. <laughs> I mean, I just, I read for information. And I read 50 books to write this book, and plus all the medical research right. I read. And I continue to read medical research as new things come out. And my, my book that I'm really delving into now is Eat to Beat Disease by Dr. William Lee. He is a Harvard medical doctor who is doing research on the on the food and plant chemicals and all these things he's done research on that help to beat diseases, including cancer. And all that information about blueberries came from Dr. Lee. All right. And I will have that in the show notes as well. So you don't like fiction ever, huh? Well, I love to see fiction played out on the screen. Okay. But I don't like to, I don't like to read it. My dad was that way. My husband's that way. We read for information and that's what motivates us we uh -huh. love to gain new information about all kinds of subjects. But I don't like to read but yeah, I love to see a great mystery and movie and fantasy play down the screen. And like your mom, I love to watch Blue Blood. <laughs> She loved it. She introduced us to it. We watch it all the time now, too. I had never watched it until she told us about it. And the other question that I always ask is, what is bringing you joy right now? Well, Nita, I never thought it would because I didn't want to do it at first. But <laughs> helping cancer patients through the cancer journey 
brings me a great deal of joy. I had a friend who called me up and she said, you're too much in the cancer world. It's not good for your health. You need to get out and live a little. And I said, you don't understand. God's called me to do this. She calls me this year and she says, I know now why God called you to do this. She said, my son has cancer and we're going to need your help. And so being able to talk to people, they, they read the book and then they call me when they need feedback. And to be able to go through the journey and let them know, you know, you can have a part in your prognosis. You right. can make your chances better. You can make your chances better that your cancer, once you beat it, will not come back. And giving people that hope gives me great joy. I can tell. It just oozes from you the passion that you have for this journey that you didn't want. <laughs> that you've been put on. And I am sure that you are making a difference for so many people. And what a gift to be able to offer all of your insights and and this passion and compassion to your friends now. And as she and her son face that, that's for such a time as this, right? That's right. So thank you so much, Jenny, for spending time with me today. I I have learned so much. I I am a big water drinker, but I don't think maybe I'm big enough water drinker after having listened to you today. I I do make a smoothie. I had I used to have one every day and I got away from it. So now you've encouraged me to get back to my smoothies. I I do always put blueberries in it because I love blueberries. So all of the things that you all have learned today from Ginny, there's this and so much more in her book, Unleashing Your God-Given Healing. And that's exactly what we want to do. We want to do it the way God intends for us to. And she has a great book with eight steps. Um, I highly recommend you go out and get it. Thank you so much for spending time on this in Ohio it's snowy Saturday <laughs> but if you're in the ocean probably not so bad where you are <laughs> not we're five hours from the ocean but yeah we've had our two bouts with snow we don't, don't normally have this year yeah yeah you guys have gotten hit pretty hard thank you so much Jenny it has been a pleasure speaking with you thanks Nita wow wasn't that good friends If you have not read Unleash Your God-Given Healing yet, I highly recommend it. It's great for those that are challenged with cancer or know someone who is, but it's also good for the rest of us just to know how to eat healthy and, and how we can maybe keep cancer at bay. Next week, I'm really excited to have Lori Vober on. She is an author. Her first book comes out next week and it's called Choices. When you are faced with a challenge, what choice will you make? Lori has been faced with many challenges in her lifetime and her biggest challenge was uh, facing a stroke when she was very young and it changed the whole trajectory of, of she and her husband's life. So join me next week as we dive into Lori's book Choices and you learn a little bit about a little bit more about her and what she's overcome to get where she is today. Until then, this is the In the Whisper podcast and I'm Nita Wilkinson.